0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Finding the Unicorn in You podcast. I'm Dr. Jaime G. Raygoza, a life coach, psychologist, and your host. Join me on a journey to inspire and transform ordinary lives into something special. Here, we celebrate the unicorns, those who choose not to follow the ordinary conventional path, but rather chase after their dreams and choose the path less taken, making them truly unique. Together, we'll explore powerful life coaching techniques and hear from special guests who embody the spirit of unicorns in their own way what are we waiting for let's get started hello hello everyone and welcome to another episode of finding the unicorn in you today i have a very special individual who is a psychic medium soul healer spiritual advisor high priestess reiki master recovering alcoholic and the founder of sunshine readings her passion is helping highly motivated witches who desire to step into their highest purpose live a life that is aligned with their spiritual beliefs I'll let her talk a little bit more about herself and what she does. So without further ado, welcome, Sunshine.
1: Thanks, Dr. Jamie. I'm so happy to be here. I was really excited just to see the whole topic of your podcast because I personally, that's a belief I feel very strongly about, too, is that everybody, every individual is, I don't want to say special. I love that you use the word unicorn, right? We're all Mm -hmm. unique. We're all individuals. And that that makes us uh, pretty incredible and mystical in our own ways. Yeah. So wh- how did I get into this in my line of work? I, I actually have a, a a nine to five job and I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the one that I do after hours. The one that I'm actually working very diligently towards doing full time so that I can come out and take it out into the whole world. I'm a psychic medium, as you had said. I'm also a high priestess and I'm a Reiki master and I combine all of those three things. So the psychic mediumship, The High Priestessing and the Reiki Master Teacher Certification into a larger program that I call Eliminate the Unschool of Witchcraft, right? And so I'm here to mentor and awaken, as you said, other witches that want to incorporate all of these beliefs, practices, and what I believe are really beautiful natural gifts into their lives, right? Maybe it's their personal life, but I find a lot of folks actually want to do it even from a business perspective. They want to do this as a line of work. They want to be somebody that comes and steps into the world and is able to change the world and have an impact on the world the world's well-being and get paid for it let's be real right we want to get paid for it and so the question and i get this often how did i get into this line of work and i think maybe similar to a lot of folks you stumble into it there's no there there was no college before there's a school and unschool now i just said but there's no official schools. We're not all part of a big sorority or fraternity, anything of that nature. I, my childhood, I was born and raised Catholic. I went to Catholic school for 13 years of my life. And there was just so many questions that were never answered to me in that path. And so around the age of 16, I started to venture down my own path. I started, stumbled into a metaphysics store. Had my first tarot card reading with a psychic myself and just, I felt more myself than I had from a spiritual perspective and a religious perspective, you could even say, than I ever had and uh, continued, what I'll say, like casually embracing my spirituality, like a part-time, I'm like maybe what some of the Catholics would call like the holiday Catholic, like the special occasion Catholic. Right, mm-hmm. Like somebody be like, oh, you read tarot cards and I'd pull them out. Oh, you do spell work and I might do a spell. Um, I was never consistent. And I was never embracing it uh, as a something that was ingrained in my day to day life until. Just over four years ago, I hit my rock bottom. I am a recovering alcoholic. And four years ago on my 40th birthday in Costa Rica, which was supposed to be an amazing vacation, I relapsed for the second time in that year. And I don't know how many of your listeners can relate, but I do know a lot of people can relate where you've done something in your life and may even wake up the next day or maybe it's just an hour passes because whatever it is, but you at some point stop and pause and go, who is that? What in the world did I just do? What overtook me? What overcame me? and yeah it was I was a pretty horrific human being that day. a pretty horrific human being. I did things that just to another human are you just shouldn't do you just shouldn't do those things to another human and i I really had a hard time with myself after that, and came back from vacation. My partner at the time said that the only way he'd continue being in a relationship with me was if I went to AA and I completed 90 and 90 days. And so what that means for anybody that's not been around a recovery program, that means you're literally going to 90 meeting in 90 days. And that means if you missed five days that someday you're going to five meetings in one day. That's literally, and there were, there was a couple of times over that 90 days that I had to do two meetings in a day. I'd do one in the morning and I'd do one at night. Um, and that's just how it was. And I spent a lot of time crying for probably six months. A lot of crying, right? Just not just the tears from the shame and the guilt of what I'd done when I hit my rock bottom, but just all of the tears from the shame and the guilt that I never ate for them. Yeah. After sitting at those tables for 90 days, I was probably about four months. I probably had another 30 in there. So I was probably had 120 days. And I just, it was feeling a little bit better. I feel a little bit more hopeful. And sitting around and looking at the table, these folks, a lot of them would talk about going to church and they would talk about their spirituality. Recovery is a spiritual program. It really doesn't matter which recovery program you walk into, there are still spiritual principles that are being introduced to talk about. And I wanted a church, but I didn't know what was going to make sense. I didn't know, but I knew I hadn't been picking up the tarot cards regularly in a long time. And I knew that one of the things, one of the kind of tenets of recovery is being of service. And there I was, January 20th, 2020, four months pretty much almost into recovery Just a couple of months from the pandemic and the whole world shutting down. And I decided to fire up a Facebook page so I can go live once a week and give away free reading. So you asked, that's a very long way to answer your question. How did I get into this? Uh, That's it, right? I was born and raised Catholic. I became a, a witch along the way. I admitted I was an alcoholic, hit a rock bottom and turned to my spirituality, which somehow or another a burst in this beautiful business.
0: I love that. And first of all, thank you for being so vulnerable with us and sharing your story. I think most of us can say that is very impressive because that's something that you have to keep going on and on. It's not something that you just like. Oh, I got a certificate. I got my coin. I'm good. Now I can live my life. It's something that you're working on every single day, and it shows the amount of strength, the amount of endurance, like the mental, physical strength that you have. So. I, I applaud you for doing that and for being able to vocalize it because by, by, ta- by talking and sharing your story, you're giving inspiration for others who may be on day one or may be debating if they want to go on day one to tackle that challenge.
1: Yeah. And I had a couple of day ones. And if you've ever sat around some tables, you'll hear that a lot of us have day ones, multiple day ones. And there's the sentimental, like, I just keep trying, just keep coming back. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're perfect, right? It's not about perfection. It's about the progress. Uh, and, and yeah, it's, I had, and I'll tell you this, this, Dr. Jamie, it was crazy. I had started beginning of that year in 2019 before I all this kind of gave, gave birth to the business. I set forth to do 90 days without drinking. I was like, oh, it's a new year, right? And some of your folks may have listened, maybe listening. I know you're going to release this later and may may have made this. They may have made at the beginning of the year, it may have made this. I'm going to stop. I'm going to do dry January. That's a really popular same thing, dry October. FYI, if any of you that are listening to this, October might be coming up. I think this is supposed to release right before October. You've got another shot. The big deal in the sober community, another dry October. I did it (laughs) and I committed to 90 days and I told people about it and I had conversations and I talked about it and I started to explore. And on day about 83, you talk about like alcoholism addiction is so sneaky and conniving and deceptive and manipulative. It is like the worst narcissistic abuser you could ever have. Right? It really because it, it cares nothing about anything except having you use, having you engage in the whatever the addiction it is that, that you, you succumb to. And on a day around 80 something around that time, I was in a bout of depression, literally to the point I remember walking out of the bathroom very distinctively in this like cloud and saying to my partner for the first time, I don't think I've ever truly felt depression before. And if this is what it feels like, I understand why people take their own life. That's how dark of a cloud I was in, right? And he logically saying all this, right? And I finally took a step back and the next day I came home from work and somehow it was enough to have convinced me to drink because I didn't steal that dark cloud when I was drinking. Man, was that, that, he was sneaky. That little, I call it my drinking demon. He was sneaky. He was good at that one. He was real good. He spent 80 days beating me down to get to the point to admit. And then I spent five and a half months drinking, pretty much probably daily, till I ended up out of. Came out of vacation 10 days and ended up at work, going through withdrawals, shaking, sweating. And that was my second attempt to stop. And then my third relapse of the year was my 40th birthday, which is the rock bottom. Yeah, it's wild how, how hard it is to do something good for yourself. It really is. And I'm not even just saying addiction. If you are not used to that, if you are not practiced in that, If you were not taught that, if you were not mirrored that, if you were not shown how to do that as an adult, our ability to take care and do something good for ourselves, hard.
0: It, It completely is. And our brain is naturally wired to look at the negative side of life. And with social media, with what we're taught in culture, and we're always taught it's not what we do well, but what we don't do well. We, time and time again, you are shown growing up that you can accomplish all these, these wonderful things. You can get all these awards. You can get all these accomplishments. But one mess up will shine a lot brighter or negatively than all of the other ones. And all of a sudden, that's the thing that people focus on. That's the thing that you focus on, that mistake. And we are our worst critics. It doesn't matter what everybody around us is telling us. We I could almost guarantee you, we are telling ourselves 10 times worse than everybody else around us. And it's teaching ourselves that, one, we're human beings. We're going to make mistakes. It doesn't matter what you're going through, whether it's battling sobriety, if you're battling an addiction, if you are doing whatever it is, you're allowed to give yourself grace that one one day or another, you might make a mistake, you might do a slip up, and it's not the end of the world. Mm -mm. Dust yourself off, own up to the mistake or own up to the slip up, and try again tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I always... You know, a number of folks that are around me in my communities and stuff. And my response is like, being human is hard. Being human is hard, right? We were like given all of these emotions. I, I think about a couple of weeks ago, my niece moved in with me over the summer and she's got an Xbox and they, her and my partner's daughter put on Sims. And I was like, I don't know, we'll give this a try. And I'm like, this is complicated. Like how many emotions like you ignore it for ten minutes because you're building a house. The next thing it's mad at you. And you're like, I don't even understand. I didn't have the intentions. I wasn't trying to make it. Wow. What a reflection of human life. It is hard being a human. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, I think Sims is a really good pre- like uh, version of what ha- happens in real life, because if you just make one little slip up, your life can go a whole different direction than you intended to.
1: I the character that I built, <laughs> about three minutes into talking with someone that they're, they're exchanging, all of a sudden this bubble pops up and I get told that she's going to be evil. And my my niece says, what did you program her as? I was like, I have no clue. <laughs> she just has an evil bone in her body now. I don't know. It's, it was wild. I mean, but that's it. Who, who knows? Who, who, being human is hard. It is difficult. It is complex um I'd rather be a cat. I don't know about you.
0: If I can nap all day and just do what I want and get fed, sheltered, of course, I sign me up. So <laughs> Come back at the cat next time. No, I completely agree with you. Living, adulting is one of the hardest things that we can do. Like we have, we're a hundred percent responsible for every single thing that goes on around us, yeah. and. I think the sooner we realize that we control our actions and behaviors, the sooner we can have a little like a like one step higher of being able to live this crazy world that we call life.
1: Yeah, uh, it's so easy for individuals to step into the perspective or the mindset of the world is happening to them rather than for them. Right. They step, they slip, they just slide so easily into that victim mentality Right, like that. That like they have no ability to choose anything different. Right, and sometimes that choice is not easy. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that that's not the case. Sometimes that choice is a mental choice, and you got to change the way you see the world, and that takes a lot of work, and it takes a lot of support. Heck, uh, recovering alcoholic over here, but yeah, it you can change it. You it can be different. Just you have to be willing to. You have to be willing to.
0: Yeah. And every action requires a sacrifice, whether you acknowledge it or not. If you're trying to, we were just talking about this offline. If you're trying to wake up early, you're going to have to sacrifice staying up late. If you're trying to wake up early, you're going to have to sacrifice. Maybe that one show that comes out, comes out at midnight or 11 o'clock that you're like, I need to do this. Or if you're you're binging on Netflix and you're like, I really want to watch another episode. If you choose, if you make that decision, you're going to regret it at 5 a.m. the next day same thing for anything that you're working on every single action requires a sacrifice
1: i want to talk say something though because i don't think people consider the in action and the sacrifice that you give right people will choose to not take action right just because you don't make a choice and you don't change things right does not it's my partner i i i triggered him he had a, a somatic response this weekend was something I'd said and I, I asked him I said how do you expect things to change if you don't look at them differently its <laughs> response back to me was maybe I don't want anything to change <laughs> I was like okay we're not ready to talk yet I got it okay we're gonna back this down <laughs> but that's the case there is still a consequence of not changing and very often as we're talking about this human nature of ourselves it's suffering and pain mm-hmm Right, we don't make we don't take an act, so we continue to suffer, we continue to be in pain, and then here we are being the victim and telling everybody about our pain and suffering, right? And and expecting someone to rescue us or somebody to validate why we're in that pain and suffering, right? It's just it's crazy, crazy humanness. I'm gonna be a cat. I'm telling you.
0: And <laughs> you bring up a good point. This is something that I it just comes back to a quote that I heard where doing nothing is a choice. Choosing not to change, choosing to do, to take a step back and let the dice roll how they roll is a choice. Just because you're choosing not to do it doesn't mean that it doesn't affect you. So why leave it to chance?
1: That's, take- my, that's my thought. I'd much rather take an educated, calculated risk or make a decision on that. I recently, and it's crazy because like I recently had to part ways with a, a friend and somebody that was helping me do some stuff in the business because they literally did not want to make a choice themselves. And it's so, it's a bummer, right? It's, it's such a bummer to watch somebody sit in that space. I'm sharing a bit about the recovery. I believe, even if people aren't addicted to substance, I believe there are a lot of people that are addicted to the drama and the chaos that encompasses codependent relationships, codependent thinking, all of that. They are, they're like, accustomed they need it they crave it it's not they get into a healthy situation and it's, it's a panic it's an absolute panic yeah i did i didn't know that we were gonna venture down this path but i'm so excited i love like these kind of deep how oh, the yeah human how the human works
0: oh same here i can talk about this forever and to add on to what you said there's actually a study that shows that people who entertain gossip and drama and that negative aspect it goes back to their childhood and how they were raised, and how their parents and authority figures showed them affection and love. So if you were to show them that you were doing good things and whatnot, and they ignored you, but every time you did something bad, or you told them a piece of information that was gossiped towards somebody else, or if you notice that's the way your your parents connected with each other or with their neighbors, it's a learned behavior. So now you're getting all of these like things, learned behaviors in adulthood, and now you, that's the only way you know how to communicate oh, I know that Sally Mae is going to listen to me because if I gossip about the people around her and that's the only way that I can create friendships.
1: Yeah. If, if they say, you if you've been around any of the the recovery programs like alcoholism, addiction is a family disease. And it's the same thing, what you just said, right? We learn as children, when we are, when we come in as these little, tiny human bodies, our soul, comes in with all of the knowledge, but our, our human brain cannot process and comprehend all of what we bring into this world. We rely upon the humans that are around us in order to make that learning happen, right? And so we look at it. That's what we learn to mirror. That's what we learn to experience. That's what we learn to be like. And yeah, if you were raved by somebody that's got a shitty attitude, an addiction problem, a uh, mental health issue, insecurities, Whatever anger, yeah, you're going to mirror and reflect that until you make a conscious decision as another human being to let go of it, to be your own self, to be, to recognize yourself as your own unicorn, as you are saying, and that no one else gets to define the, the beauty of your unicornness. Is that even a word, unicornness? Uh, if it's mean?
0: not, I'm definitely going to make it one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> On a scale to one, to Ten, How unicorny are you? <laughs> I love that. But, I, unic-
0: but I completely agree. I, you, your, your past, the people around you do not define you. Just because things have been this way forever doesn't mean it has to stay like this forever. I think a lot of us do tend to define ourselves based on our parents or our siblings or our friends. And I'll give you a perfect example. I have also had to cut several people out of my life recently because they were stuck in the past. They were stuck in a very negative mindset that things are just not going to change. And it was a broken record. Every single interaction with them, it was my life sucks. I hate everything that is around me, blah, 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 blah. And then when I would ask them, okay, so what do you plan to do about it? Is this something that is this the life you want to live? No what are the steps that you're doing? I can't do anything. I'm in a, I'm in a situation that I can't do anything. I was like, you always have a choice. Yeah. I was like, you're choosing to stay in the same circumstances. It's just you're not willing to take the risks that it will take in order for you to get out of the circumstance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They are more comfortable in their current uncomfortable state than being able. To... Yeah. I mean, it's a fear. It's an anxiety. I, I had to For those that are listening, I literally, and don't get me wrong, there is such thing as you can have serious anxiety disorder, right? I'm not saying that, but many of us fear change, right? And for me, my first year in sobriety, it was all about releasing myself of shame and guilt and stepping into fear. So I looked at fear as my indication that I needed to run headfirst into it. Because I had spent so much of my life shelter, not doing what, you know, not being who I wanted, not being what, you know, the, the whole nine yards. Like I was, I wasn't a unicorn. I was a horse that someone had snipped the horn off of. Right. And so I I did. And it was a lot of, it was a lot of, and I said the tears, but a lot of those tears were because I would face all of these emotions of shame and guilt and have to come through and transmute them into the truth, which was like, these were things that weren't my fault and they weren't wrong with me. And I had no reason to be ashamed and all of that. And man, is it a, it's an undertaking. It is an, it is quite an undertaking.
0: Yeah. And the the way I look at it and the reason I chose the word unicorn to describe these type of people that do their own thing, it's hard. Unicorns are hard to find and they're hard to be made. It's not something that, like you said, everybody is a horse. But if you want to be a unicorn, the way I look at it in my analogy is you're trying to grow the horn and that sucker is going to hurt as it's coming out Mm -hmm. because it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to do things that it's going to it's going to hurt. And there's things that you're going to have to endure that are not going to be nice to feel.
1: In the magical community and from a witch, we refer to it as shadow work. So does Carl Jung, but it's a very popular term within the the witch community and that is people know if you say that word it's the same thing the dark night of the soul is another word that a lot of folks will reference this it's like this very it looks like a rock bottom it looks like being in Costa Rica on your 40th birthday making an absolute fool out of yourself and doing things that you never thought you would do to another that's what it looks like Right. And the pain and how hard it is and and learning. This is the crazy thing. So many folks, I wish the universal law of duality states that in order to truly feel that law, to feel what joy really feels like, to really know what wonderment and awe feels like in in the actual physical body, you have to be willing to feel pain suffering despair not avoid it not numb it not ignore it not freeze not fawn not project it onto somebody else and expect them to deal with it for you you have to let it go through you and for me as a witch or some people may identify as a magician I want to feel it I want to get it I want to feel it and process it as quickly and as thoroughly as possible that's my thing right because if I got to go through it I don't want to wallow in it for months right? I'm going to put it through me. I'm going to intentionally move that through. And if that means I'm going to look like a really ugly, crazy, sad person crying for four days because I went through something really hard, that's what I'm going to do. But so many of us run and hide from that. We don't want to cry. I had somebody sit down at a table with me yesterday and they were hurt. They were in pain and I could feel it. And I kept telling them, I'm like, just cry, let it out. And then we finished the reading and I said, can I give you a hug, please? And she said, I'm just going to start crying. And I said, it's probably what you need then. So I did. I made her get up, and I gave her a hug, and I held her until yeah. I, I have this thing. I won't let you go. If you need a hug, I won't let you go until I feel your body like somatically release. And so I, she, she tried to pull away, and I was like, Mm-mm. she's okay. But yeah, it's a that it that's a tough that's a tough place to be
0: in. I was like, I completely agree, and I do want to switch topics just ever so slightly because I you you mentioned the fact that you're that you practice witch witchcraft and all of that. So I do want to give the listeners some more education about it. So there's a lot of stereotypes. And we I think a lot of people think of Halloween and like other types of stereotypical things when it comes to like witchcraft or witch or witches. So can you give us a little bit more of a definition of what it is? What is it exactly that you practice? And maybe kill some stereotypes that are out there.
1: Yeah, I think some of the stereotypes are going to be true, right? Stereotypes come out. A reason. That's because someone along the line reflected something and then a couple more people and so on and so forth. So I'm not going to state. And if you were to talk to any other witches, they may have a different definition, right? Once again, I believe we're all unicorns and we can all have a different perspective in how we see things. My own personal philosophy and what I uh, teach and mentor and uh, coach on is that witchcraft involves three pillars the pillar of psychic abilities, the pillar of magic, and the pillar of healing. And so from psychic abilities, we can talk about any type of psychic abilities, intuition, precognition. I don't like the word fortune telling because fortune is just a weird thing. Akashic record reading, remote viewing, talking about anything of that nature. So think about all of anybody that's watching. If you've ever watched the Long Island Medium, you've ever watched John Edwards was back in the day. Uh... Tyler Henry, Chip Coffee. If you've ever watched like a psychic or a medium, guess what? I believe that those individuals are witches. They just probably don't identify as that, right? They have the powers though. Magical ritual is all around, very much so around alchemy is more so what I practice. I do a lot of alchemical work. And alchemy is the the belief that you could turn lead into gold. And in the personal, it's taking our hard stuff and turning it into beauty. So as I said, that shame, that guilt, and transmuting it into the truth, right? That's what alchemy is. But there's also a bunch of spell work as far as being able to manipulate the energies around to bring about like manifest law of attraction. Anybody's ever watched The Secret, Anybody's ever done The Secret, any of that kind of stuff, then you're a witch. Here's the, you know, I love magical ritual stuff. Born and raised Catholic. I have never seen a more magical ceremonial ritual than a Catholic mass. I just haven't. I just, I really haven't. It's so much so that the order, the golden dawn, right? This whole big secret order actually did a Gnostic mass that's married right, right off the Catholic mass. It's just crazy. So there's all of that, but then there's all of the healing too. And so very much more for me. And I think a lot of the folks that identify, that truly identify as witches and are willing to bring it out to public. The reason why is because they're here. We're here to be healers in this world. Way back in the day, the witches, the shamans, the medicine men and the medicine women, there was one in every community and they were the doctors. They were the midwives, right? They were the individuals that if you had an earache, you would go to, that if your child had a cough, you would go to. They were the healers. And so this can be through literal modalities like Reiki. I'm a certified Reiki master. It can be through, uh, there's all sorts of other energetic uh, healing modalities that are out there, but it can also be through food, nutrition, herbs. To so think about all of these individuals that like you get these. It's so funny how much witchcraft creeps into our life and people just don't realize it. If any of your listeners have has some doTERRA, right? They're putting some lemon drops in their water. Hello. You're doing magic. That's, that's some witchcraft stuff right there. You ever drink a cup of chamomile tea to help you sleep at night? Hello, witchcraft there. That's what that is. We just don't want to recognize it. And it has been. There was very, there is a, um, a lovely book. I think I actually have a chapter left. Uh, um, I wish I could remember the woman's names, but the, the author's name, but the title of the book is Waking, uh, Waking the Witch. And she does this phenomenal job exploring the history and the story of the witch throughout the years and how it continues to show up. And has very often been manipulated based upon the societal kind of story of what's going on at that time. So yeah, as far as what I do, all of that. I'm a psychic medium. I'm a high priestess. I lead magical ritual, usually monthly, if not even more than once a month. I'm a Reiki master. And so a lot of the work that I do one-on-one with clients involves a lot of healing. And I do that both from a, a Reiki perspective, but I work with a lot of herbs and I will do healing ritual as well.
0: I love that. And the reason I like to bring this up is because a lot of people tend to stay away from it because of fear of the unknown. They don't know what it is. So I like to shine light on things that are people don't really know or understand and teach them something new because it's not as something as that is evil or, or bad or anything like that. And these most recent years I've learned learned and what crystals do and like all of that with the energies and whatnot, I've also dabbled into tarot card readings. So I've learned how to do it. And I do readings on my own all the time. And it's not something that I'm trying to manipulate the future. or I'm trying to do that, but more it's a guide for me for the day and kind of what I want to do.
1: It's that alchemy. So a lot mm-hmm. of folks that use tarot cards for personal purposes are doing it for that alchemical reason. They want to see something that they don't clearly see, right? That's your psychic ability. And they want to bring it into the light and in order to put it to use or transmute it, right? So if you get a card pulled that says, hey, if you don't have, if you're going to have a shitty attitude, you're going to have a shitty day. You're like, I need to watch my attitude today. And it's so funny. I want to get this. This is why I, I've said this from a fortune telling perspective, which is like a joke. The likelihood that people can actually predict and tell, like from a fortune perspective, is very low. And so I like to think that what we have, there's something that's referred to as the Akashic Records. There's this theological belief of the Akashic Records. Akasha is a Sanskrit word, I believe. And this is a theory, I call it the, the souls choose your own adventure book. Right? So imagine your soul has this gigantic choose your own adventure book. Everything in your past, everything in your present and everything in your future all written into it. And that means from this point in your life, moving forward, there are many paths. Every single choice and decision you make ha- can send you down a different path. So, how in the world set of scenarios? I can tell you where, what the problem. I think I lost you for a second. I have certain pathways. I could tell you what to avoid, but oh, yeah, that everybody has their, every soul, every human, every soul has their own choose your own adventure book, right? It's the acoustic record is the written record or the etherically written record of your past, present, and future. And what I was saying is fortune telling or predicting what path, right? It's just not, it's not the wisest use of a psychic time. And the probability that they're going to actually hit is just relatively low, right? It can happen, but it's relatively low because every single choice that you make throughout the day from what time you may get up, to, like to what time you can go to bed. And even those kind of simple can change what ends up happening. And so even from a psychic ability perspective, when I work with clients, there are certain ways that I guide and advise them to even ask questions because predicting the future is not always the wisest. But if you can get information that will help send you down a higher path, a higher vibrational path, that's good information. I like that. And it's good
0: to know about all these different practices and all these different things, because sometimes you're going blindly and we want. We have certain expectations, may not based on our own biases. I know I have some friends that go to psychics, but they want them to tell them everything. What do you want me to do? Tell me my future. How can I like do this? How can I not do that? But you have to go in with the right knowledge of what is possible and what is the borderline not
1: possible. And and I, I talk to so many psychics, and they're they'll do it. They'll tell you that, but it's not going to be helpful. It's just it's not valuable information. And so as I teach and I. I, I coach folks. There's two things. It's the two C's. You have to make sure that they leave with clarity and, and comfort, right? Clarity and comfort. So are they clear on the message that you've shared and are they comfortable, right? Because if they don't feel they've got more questions, if they've got, if they're anxious now, if you just told them that it looks like you're going to walk off a bridge tomorrow, that's amazing. I didn't know people do that. My God, right? You need to talk to them some more until they get comfortable with that. Yeah, it's a, uh, it is it was surprising to me. I'll put it to you this way. When I first started sitting down at shows and events and doing this, like people just walking up one after another, how many didn't actually have a question? Yeah, they're more so like your friends. They just tell me what I need to know. Tell me everything. And I'm like, wow, everything. <laughs> I'm like, how old are you? Because as, as long as you are old, that's about as long as it's going to take for me to tell you everything. And if anybody is interested and, you've not, and you have never, I'd strongly encourage you to check it out. You would be surprised. If you're getting the push or the pull or or, or the poke, right, there's a reason why you are getting that. And that's often because there is something that you are meant to know or some information you're meant to hear that you aren't listening to and picking up yourself, right? And the three big topics that it falls into is relationships, money, and health. And if you can find a question related to one of those three, I'm certain you will find a very detailed answer. But if you go in cold, good luck.
0: I love that. And I didn't realize the time <laughs> I keep, I can probably keep talking to you for another couple hours, but we are um, running towards the end. So I'm going to ask you the last uh, question of the podcast, which is unicorns. So we talked a little bit about this earlier about how a unicorn is unique in their own way and they, they take their own path. So if you can give somebody advice that they can take today and start upon it today, how can they start their unicorn journey?
1: start making choices for yourself, right? Only do what you really want to do. If you don't want to do it, say no and don't back down. It'll be rough and uncomfortable in the beginning, but give it about 6 6 to 9 months of that and watch how different your life is.
0: I completely love that. That is great advice. No, yeah, you have to do your own thing. You have to be able to make these choices and you have. Not all choices are going to be easy. So, just have faith, then trust the process. This was amazing, Sunshine. I Like I said, I can probably talk to you a couple more times. I'm probably going to bring you back and just pick your brain a lot more.
1: Absolutely. I can adore it.
0: <laughs> but if a listener is curious and they want to learn more about these topics or they just want to hire you, work with you, how can they do that? The
1: number one thing I always tell folks is email me to start. I do check all my own emails. So sunshine at com. I love to connect with anyone that if I've struck a chord, I pissed you off. That's cool. If I inspired you, that's even better, right? All is good. Let me hear it. If you want to find me on the web, you can find me on Facebook, Sunshine Readings, on Instagram, Sunshine underscore Readings, and the website itself is sunshinereadings.com. So definitely look forward to some of listeners coming my way.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. And listeners, as a quick reminder... If you actually go to my website at rygoza consultingcom go to the Unicorn Wall of Fame, you'll actually see Sunshine on there, on the on the Wall of Fame. And if you click on it, you'll see her bio and a kind of summation of what she talked about on here. And you can also find the links um, there alongside the show notes here. But a quick reminder for everyone, episodes come out every, day, every Friday at 7 a.m. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Sunshine, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding the Unicorn in You podcast. I truly appreciate you listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode and gained valuable insights. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite platform. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep growing. Until next time, this is Dr. Jaime G. Ragoza, signing off.